Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and on the podcast, I have Alex Zeroyan. Alex, where are you at and what are you up to? So I just flew in back to D.C., so I'm back in Washington, D.C. here for the uh, few few weeks before Christmas. And what is it that you do there in Washington? Yeah, so I'm an assistant coach here with George Washington University, the uh, women's soccer side. I uh, joined here about mid-July, and I've loved it ever since. What was the experience like having that first season with the George Washington women? Yeah, it's a bit of a, of a rush. You know, I joined in a bit late here in mid-July. So, you know, it's coming in a lot of quick lows and trying to remember names and then just getting the run of things. So it's um, trying to figure out the team culture and the atmosphere, you know, embrace it all as fast as you can while trying to catch up on the travel and the recruiting and where the rest of the coaching staff's at. Um, so now it's a bit more settled, but at the time it was – first two weeks was pretty hectic I won't lie what was the reason for kind of jumping on I guess kind of midsummer what why why be so late yeah I had a in the off season uh, my time ended at UT Martin it was a two-year contract um and loved it there but you know in the offices I had a few offers uh, for assistant coaching and just head coaching roles in the D2 world um just didn't feel like they were right right now in my time of career um and got on the phone and had an interview process with Michelle and then Bill, the other assistant coach here with me and um, really enjoyed just the conversation and what her vision is and George Washington's an institution. So I decided to jump late on that boat and uh, join George Washington. What was it about the the vision that she shared that, that resonated with you? Yeah, M- Michelle is, um, I think right now my coaching journey, one of the coaches I've met that, emphasizes just the human relationship a lot more and just the culture around the individual first, I think was a bigger piece. So on the phone call and then the first, second, third interview um, or however many it was is, you know, she emphasized a lot about the person, you know, who George Washington is and just embracing the atmosphere and the history of George Washington University and trying to find the right individual. Um, I think it's key right now. I mean, now being in the midst of it and the recruiting of 23s and 24s is, you know, taking our time because we won't bring in someone that will cost the locker room. And, you know, and that adds to the atmosphere and adds to the team instead of maybe banging in one or two more goals a year or assists, right? It's um, it's huge on that piece. So that took me a second or two um, to run along with it. But, you know, it was something I, I enjoyed. I'm, I'm in it for the human piece. So hearing somebody else's same mission and values there uh, really struck me. And you mentioned UT Martin. So – let's go back like coaching wise, where did you start out? Like when did you get the bug that said, you know what, Alex wants to go into coaching soccer? Yeah, that's a long story here. So uh, um, first I tried playing um, high school. I did some club soccer, had um, a few injuries, just wasn't, I was in the fringe of just being good and not good and not realizing the game. I had a trial in Mexico then with uh, an academy team Verona's went there for about two months um, in the midst of it had a knee injury. So came back, was rehabbing that and decided, all right, let me just focus on just going to college first and starting that up. Um, once I got into college, I just tried to get a fit again, started playing and then an ankle injury. And then the knee injury was an ACL. And it was just more of like, I felt like I was rehabbing more than actually playing the game, which was frustrating at the time. Um, I had an uncle growing up, his, he coached professionally in Mexico in the second division. So 
when I was younger, I've always, I always went to his house and I saw these big massive trophies and these newspaper clippings. And I was like, this is awesome. Right. So initially what sparked me was the, the fame and the glory and just these big trophies, you know, little Alex just fell in love with them. So um, I first went to school at Cal State East Bay. I got involved in some analysis over there, um, joined a company called Match Analysis. They were doing stats, analytics for all the MLS teams, Liga MX teams. They did some Pac-12 sides, and then they did the national team, men and women's national team. So I saw first a different world of just top-down view, just tagging, heat mapping. Um, and it was tons of hours. It was repetitive work, and, you know, so I, I saw the game in a different perspective first. Then I joined a youth club, just volunteering, just getting my, my feet wet, wet um, transferred all the way to Temple University to pursue sports management. I was doing kinesiology then and just didn't feel like that was what I wanted to do. Um, so I was at Temple, I was doing sports management. I was getting to the ticketing world, the business world, and I wasn't too much of a fan of the nine to five. So I called my uncle and he's like, well, why are you skipping all around? seems like you love coaching, you know, get into it. So Joined a club soccer team over there, met a guy named Dean Castales. He's the head of video analysis at Philadelphia Union. So he talked to me a bit of the soccer world um, and told me, hey, just get involved in college soccer. So senior year at Temple University, I shot about 100 emails to schools within a two-hour driving range. And uh, two schools got back to me. One was a community college in New Jersey, and one was Earth Science College and invited me on. So um, joined her son's college, had some morning classes, then drove an hour and a half afterwards to go volunteer and then came back, drove an hour and a half later at night. So that was the start of that. Then after that ended, we had a full-time offer to go to East Texas coach junior college. And that was a whirlwind. I was only there for about four or five months, uh, left in the middle, mid November. Um, and then started my UEFA courses, got a call from UT Martin, Phil and Leslie and hopped on there and two years, two great years there. And now here in Washington, DC. So there's a lot to peel in that. Whole yeah. Journey. First, <laughs> yeah, off, huge. first off. So did you grow up, I'm assuming somewhere close to Mexico. So in Texas or where did you grow up in? Yeah. So small town, uh, Monrovia in Los Angeles County. So, uh, it's good soccer there. I think Ashley Sanchez, who I went to high school with, you know, plays now in the NWSL, played at UCLA. So, um, it's a nice little hidden city. It's in, on Netflix. Bird Box was, you know, a house around the corner from me. So a little Hollywood town. Uh, yeah. So what was the experience? Like, what is the culture in Mexico? You talked about being there with your uncle and being around and, and doing your time, even before you got injured down there in that second, you know, tier. What's, what was the difference between like playing us and then looking back at what it was like down in Mexico? Yeah, it was interesting. So I joined in the midst of the, the trial. So what goes on in, in this in those towns and with the academy level, because it was academy I was, I was doing first. Um, it's a whole trial, you know, hundreds of kids try out and then they slowly dwindle it up to about 30, 35 kids they take on the roster. So when I got in there, I was at about, I believe it was 60 um, and they were starting to do friendly games and exhibitions. So it's a lot faster pace of the game. It's more technical. Um, it seems like you know, I was just always, my head was always spinning with how fast these players were moving and just they were dropping their shoulders. The pace of the game was a lot faster, a little bit less physical, but you know, that really interested me. Um, just the speed of the game. Um, and then my uncle at the time being there, he just tried, you know, we watched a lot of games over in there. It took me to a lot of Liga MX games all over the summer. Um, and that helped me open my eyes a bit more to the, 
style of play in Mexico. Um, it's a lot different here in the U.S., but, you know, I think I valued my time there. When I got injured, I was, you know, standing next to the technical staff after doing my physical therapy and just kind of seeing how they ran the sessions. You know, they had their sessions drawn out. So I was early on, I felt like I got a little more of an idea of the coaching style. You talked about the big move from California to Temple and you moved from Texas now all the way up to George Washington. Have you always been one that's just kind of open to like, if I have to go somewhere, I'll go like I'm open to, I'm not stuck in one place. Like I'm open to maybe making a big move if I need to. Yeah, no, it's so when I went to school from, you know, start off half of my university career, California state East Bay university East Bay up in San Francisco area. And then I jumped to Philly. I was the first ever in my small family to jump from California to another state. You know, my, I have a small family and they're all in Los Angeles area um, and one in San Diego. So making that jump initially mid-college was the hardest thing. And then once I got a temple, I, you know, I got my feels around. I was like, okay, I can do this on my own. Um, I think the hardest part initially was when I left Philadelphia, had a lot of great friends and, you know, I enjoyed my college soccer season, even though first sinus was a rough one the first year. Um, moving to East Texas because that was a small town. It was um, a junior college. I felt like at the time I was going backwards. Um, but, you know, after I made that jump and I got in the mix of things and run of things, you know, in the three months of season, I keep myself so busy. It's hard to kind of realize I'm, you know, I'm not near family or friends or, you know, relationships. It's just, you know, I just get, put my head down, just keep working. So then Tennessee, same thing. Um, Tennessee was a bit different with COVID coming in play. But yeah, it's, you know, I think after the first jump, it was minus, you know, my mindset turned to, okay, where's the opportunity? All right, let's run with that. And, you know, let's see where I can go forward. What was it like when you send out a hundred plus emails and you're slowly not getting a return? Is there any part of you that's like, maybe this dream's not going to come true? Yeah, <laughs> that was hard. Um, that, was, that was hard at first, but, you know, something that I think, my mom and dad always said, well, it doesn't hurt to, to get, um, to just try. And so, you know, I'm someone even like in the midst of job hunts, like, you know, here in this past, um, after my contract in with Tennessee, it was just, I'm okay with shooting emails. And, you know, I'd rather have them tell me no than me miss an opportunity. Um, th that's, it's funny. Cause that's only certain to my soccer coaching career. I'm not usually like that outside of it, but I'm just so passionate about the game and just want to stay involved. So I'll shoot out tons of emails, you know, tons of texts, um, even recruiting, you know, I'll have them tell me, no, you know, hey, I'm looking at a different school or maybe just not looking for the East coast, but you know, I'd rather have them tell me no than me miss the opportunity. I think that's the biggest piece uh, I learned in the past like five or six years in this industry is, you know, opportunity is rare and, you know, somebody's going to jump on it and I want to put my name in a hat while I can for that. What were some of the main takeaways you took from that first experience? You know, you're driving, you said an hour plus there and then an hour plus back. I mean, that's a lot of time to think about the game. What were some of the things that you picked up on then that you were like, okay, I'm going to try to incorporate those as I move forward. Yeah. So that was a, that was a hard one because it was my I was in college, still co coaching college kids. So it was just an interesting dynamic. Ursinus um, was an interesting one. It was Keith had just taken over there and he was changing the program. Um, at the end of the season, we were, I think, or no, sorry, at one point in the season, we we're sixth worst team in the country. We had the whole season, we only had ties and losses, so we didn't have wins. Um, so I remember at one point, I called my uncle and I was like, How do you love doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't won a game yet at all. He's like, 
And he told me a cliche quote. He's like, hey, you have to understand a loss before you enjoy a win. And I'm like, that's that's fair. Um, but during that whole process, it was more so trying to get in the dynamic of what the coaching staff, Keith and uh, Mark and Rosen at the time were doing. Um, I think they approached things in a certain way. You know, they weren't pressuring the kids because they knew that maybe their recruits weren't in. They knew they were changing a culture that historically hasn't done well. You know, um, just – don't quote me on this. I think it was last year, the year before, first time in history they made – not history, about 20 years they made playoffs. They beat two nationally ranked teams, first time in 10 years, 15 years. So, you know, being part of that initial first year of the four- or five-year plan was now – like I saw it now come into jubilation, right? At the time, I'm kind of like, all right, well, he's saying this is what we're doing. Let's go run with it. Let's go recruit these kids in these areas in the main line. Um, by the time, it was hard because I'm seeing these sessions. I'm seeing them trying to build – the shape, you know, we're trying to get a high pressing side in the Centennial Conference um, and things weren't going our way. And I was like, what is going on? Um, but now seeing it, I've caught his games a few times year in, year out. It, you know, I can see the reason why. And, you know, he's a great coach. It was great soccer. And now I can enjoy watching. He stepped down and to go pursue another opportunity. But it was interesting seeing the five-year plan looking back at it, you know. Does that, in your eyes, how about a five-year plan? How important is patience when it comes to developing a program? Yeah, I think some players, um, so that was division three. So, you know, there's no athletic aid. So it's a lot harder to, in this sense, if you angled your money right and you can toss the money at a player that's on the portal or players available that can come in for an immediate amp impact that, you know, some other programs don't have money left. You know, that can maybe push um, quality a little bit faster over the time scale. But, you know, the five-year plan, I think it's a lot, it's harder at the programs that don't have the resources. You got to slowly start, you know, chipping away at, at it. It's interesting looking back now because, you know, I'm at the start of this program and, you know, it's, we've got time to build and we got players coming in and we're talking to the right, right recruits, but, you know, there's time in, in the process. So it's just interesting being part of it and now having to work for it. Right. Cause at the time I joined in, I was a volunteer coach. There's two, three other coaches who had said recruits. I brought in some names, but it's also, you know, I was shadowing them rather than me and now in the driver's seat and helping out and seeing where we're angling this shit. The thing you mentioned as well, you made the move to a junior college and you said it was kind of a short stint. What was that experience about? Um, you don't have to go into all the details, but why was it just a short stint? Yeah, I so I joined in May and then I had I was doing my C course at the time, so wasn't able to move down until I think June or July. Um, yeah, the dynamic was different. You know, it's a smaller school, it was a junior college. The athletic administration staff was a lot smaller, so it was tighter knit. Um, joined in, I think it was we started preseason. Had it was a little more international based, so players flew, flew in August first, August second, and we just hit the ground running. And just a little bit politics and administration ended up our head coach being asked to leave two weeks into it. So it was me and the other assistant having to run two programs um east texas region 14 is one of the toughest conferences in the nation for junior colleges you have tyler navarro northeast texas um and now i think this past year they finally ranked a lot more of the teams with blend being ranked to um coastal bend it's it's a tough conference tyler won the junior college um championship back-to-back -back years i think um the year prior i was there so um coming in there it was just interesting because at the junior college you're having to produce success in the two-year route rather than you know in a college university you got four to five years this year success come in 
especially with the turnover, it's hard to embed good culture and leadership when you've got kids coming in and out of the door. It's, you know, finding a captain that's young, who's only a freshman or sophomore, expected to lead, and you hope some kids grasp on to his leadership qualities or at least have their leadership qualities show so that the next year when they're sophomores, it, they can run with it, right? Um, so that was a tough year. It was head coach left two weeks into it. I was taking over a men's team that was – both programs were brand new, only four years new. The men's team never made playoffs. The women's team made – playoffs i think for the second year the previous season so um coming in there we did a great job me and the other assistant um we beat tyler at the time who was ranked number four in the country we made playoffs our first time in team's history we went past the first round of playoffs in the semifinals to play tyler junior college so it was a lot of firsts and then the women's side you know we made the playoffs again we made the semifinals um so it was a lot of things to be happy with and then um happy on the other side as well is you know it was long days at the junior college level we don't have academic advisors we don't have an athletic academic realm it was just us administrating study hall so had practices with both teams and ran home had dinner fed the dog took wags out and then came back to school administered study hall so my days were done about 9 9 30 um so at the end of it, it was a bit i was a bit happy to see even though it was tons of hours you know men's and women's soccer had the most kids on the deans and presidents list when some other sports weren't even in season. So really happy to see that. Then uh, near Thanksgiving, uh, me and the other assistant coach were asked to leave. So yeah, that, that was a short four or five months stint. What an amazing kind of like, you just thrust into, it's like just learning how to swim. You're just like literally tossed into the water and so cool to get the success. The other thing I was wondering, so you finish up at Temple when you graduate how did you end up getting down to that JUCO? Did, did you again go back to the, hey, I'm going to send stuff out? Or was there someone to say, hey, come on down and, and coach with me? Yeah, no, I just, I've just shot applications everywhere. I think, you know, in this coaching career I've had, I've had so far, it hasn't been like maybe some individuals who have known people and, you know, they can join on coaching staffs because they, they've coached with prior. It's everywhere I've been so far, it's just the standard, you know, email or application process. Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that, you know, that worked and I shot a bunch of emails and I got one or two back and I ran with them. But, uh, you know, the junior college one was, I think I got two emails back and then I got one email, um, back, I think the day I was moving into my apartment in Texas. So uh, I couldn't do that one. And the other one was nearby. It was just, um, the, I, I think again, this it was a program in Delaware, but, uh, I think they got back to me when I was already moving down to Texas. So I um, only had about two, three real opportunities because at that point I coached club, I did video analysis, but only one year of college coaching and let alone, you know, if individuals don't know how tough this centennial conference is on the men's side and they just see, you know, the results, they didn't see I did a great job. So it was, it was a bit harder getting that off the track of things. So is that the same thought process of, all right, we've been asked to step down from the JUCO now, here I am, Alex, and what do I need to find my next stomping ground? And is that what you, you go through the same process again? Yeah, that was, that was hard because the Juca one took a lot out of me. It's, you know, I don't think I've worked so hard in my life for that one. It was, you know, <laughs> eight to nine 30 PM a day. And then, you know, quick, you know, coming home, taking the dog out and doing it again the next day. Um, moved out of there and I had an opportunity through United Soccer to just go pursue my uh, Scottish FAC license and, went to Europe and did that um, and absolutely loved it. So I've always been involved in like the U S soccer coaching side, you know, working on my licenses or um, I just love learning the game. It's, it's one reason or not, you know, I don't think a license makes a coach, but I just like to be around the educational atmosphere, you know, of 
just you know, the coaches just willing to open up and express themselves and learn as well as, you know, listen to the instructors. You know, a lot of the instructors have had a lot of past experiences at different type of levels. So, you know, for me, I like to listen to a bunch of coaches, you know, hence why, you know, I listen to your podcast often. I, I love to listen to everybody's journey. It's just, uh, it's interesting. I think one time I told my mom and she was like, why are you having so hard? Because my parents didn't know anything about college athletics. I was like, college athletics. And I told them there's no wiki how, there's no Wikipedia on how to be a college coach. It's kind of like you're making your own path, um, especially because I didn't play college athletics. Um, but yeah, no. So all of them have been off email and just trial of just applying and hoping I get a, a call back. You know, I've done funky things with my application, my resume. I've made a really cool portfolio. I had to learn how to do Photoshop to make a really nice looking portfolio. But, um, you know, those sparked the eyes of people this past summer. And I got, you know, a lot more interviews, um, but it still was just determining on, you know, where I wanted to end up. So you end up at UT Martin. What's that experience like? Yeah, that was interesting because I've lived in Los Angeles, moved to San Francisco, moved to Philadelphia, big cities, East Texas, 40, 30 or 40,000 person town. And then Tennessee Martin was about 10,000 people. So I didn't know you can get any smaller, <laughs> if I'll be honest with you. Um, but it, it was great. You know, I think then again, we had COVID. COVID hit that prior, I guess, season. So we were in the September of COVID, August, September. We're kind of waiting to see if season was starting. I think the threshold was that they were going to hold national championship was a certain amount of percentage of teams that had to stay in competition. Um, so it was, you know, we we're training and then we we're kind of keeping an eye on how many conferences made the de- conferences made the decision of stepping out of it. Um, so things got pushed in the spring. Once they decided that, I think only the four conferences, Sunbelt, ACC, and you know, more power five conferences were able to play that fall. But that was, that was a bit difficult, you know, not again to it. COVID politicized a lot more things. So, you know, being in a small town, it was hard because, I was part of a program that was, you know, like I said, when soccer season starts, I put my head down and I work, but when season didn't start and had about six months to just train and with the staff, it was just so much different. I had to embed the culture and just, you know, be around, um, you know, my neighbors and just walk out and get to learn the community, which, you know, I loved, I think, um, difference aside, I loved my journey of just being in these different towns, just experiencing it. Um, you know, I grew up, in the suburbs of LA, LA and my neighbors are cows, you know, so who would have, nobody would have thought I would have said that. So I um, absolutely enjoyed it. It was, it was a different atmosphere, just different type of people. The culture is different. Um, the food's great. Just absolutely loved it. You know, Phil had a really good journey in D2 level, Carson Newman, the NAI prior, and he's from Northern Ireland. And then, you know, Leslie, the associate head coach who had a similar path, but has a different coaching style as well. It was, it was great learning from both of them and just seeing, different styles, but also styles that reflected on the, the coaching philosophy, right? Since they've worked together so long, they're, any session they run, even though it's a bit different, always lead up to the style of play that we had in the OVC, which Phil um, and Leslie have had great success in. So um, kudos to them. You talked about taking coaching courses. At, uh, you mentioned some of the, like here in the U.S. and then going overseas, and I heard UEFA, how much have you enjoyed all the different types of opportunities to do all that learning, like to go overseas? What's, what was that like to immerse yourself in the culture over there and also be learning the game that you love? Yeah, it's, it's different. So, you know, when first started it, I was like, man, why do they keep talking about this leadership and culture stuff? I just want to know tactics and how to run a <laughs> training session. And this was, you know, maybe when I was club coaching, I was doing my E and D uh, United States licensing, but you know, now being in the mix of it, um, 
I, I love it. I think it's interesting seeing the point of view of you know the USSF and then the Scottish FA Federation is they view things a bit differently in the sense of how to run a training session rather than in US soccer. I've been in there multiple times where my E and D were prior to the change. You know, it was play practice play at one point, and then now it's just an implementation. You know, you're coaching the the other team to bring in your focus team. So rather than the UEFA route with the Scottish FA, it's more so you're leading into the bigger session, right? You're introducing the topic through a smaller session, bigger session, then through game, stopping them. You know, you're shaping the team. You're making your coaching points through then. Um, it's interesting. So for me, the way I like to look at it is I want, you know, if I ask my players to develop, it doesn't make sense if I'm not working on myself to develop. So, you know, I've got tons of books I order. You know, I love these coaching courses um, to the sense of, if I'm going to implement them in my training session, not every day, maybe sometimes, but I want those in my tool belt so that, you know, the moment comes in the moment of the season or my club team or whoever it is, you know, I can pull that out of my book. Um, so it's been great. I think the Scottish FA was really opening. It sucked because when I got into the UEFA B, it was during COVID. So we get turned everything online. A lot of Zoom calls at odd hours of the day. I was in the West Coast doing Zoom. So it's three, four in the morning hopping on. But um, I absolutely enjoyed it. I had a lot of guest speakers. We knew specific topics. We had somebody come in and talk about just periodization. We had, a, I think at the time, she was the head coach for the women's national team for the Scottish FA, I think, or maybe Arsenal at that point. We had the Hibs head coach. So just a lot of different opportunities, talking to all these coaches and just hearing their perspective of the game. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, I have a buddy who coaches high school. It's like, I'd love to see your session. And it's like, actually, like, they're not that far off. You know, you'd be surprised. It just depends on, you know, the style of the coach. Um at the different level. It's not like, you know, your elementary school classes to college course classes, while they're different, you know, it's the individuals and the way the coaching staff implements those training sessions at the time of year. So um, really enjoy just seeing the different styles. Have you always been kind of a, a, a learner? A, I don't know how to word it perfectly. Like a oh, uh, one of those, not at all. Or is this, something maybe were you at, let's say let's say in the class you're using that example were you one of those that was all in the books or is this something that you just found something that you love and that's why you're so passionate about it yeah it's a love part I'll be honest uh the amount of times that my dad fell asleep on the table with me trying to teach me math when I was younger was <laughs> and my mom had to come back wake us up um no my I didn't have great grades you know growing up I just for some reason um it just didn't spark me or I just didn't enjoy it but uh, soccer just fascinates me. I think it's there's so much to it and the history behind it as well between the different types of eras and the coaching in those eras. You know, the game's always changing and it's not simple. There's no, you know, hey, I learned this book. I'm now going to go get a 21 season because I know how to coach this turn style. And the game's always involved in, um, especially the players as well. So that's what also fascinates me. I think, you know, when I was doing nine to five in Philadelphia, I had an internship with the sports team down there, um, down in Philadelphia is, Hey, once you know the sales pitch, you know, lingo, and you kind of get a little charm to it and you're selling season tickets, you'll kind of get a run of it. And I was like, all right, well, is that it? Like, you know, I want something that sparked me every day that challenges me. And I think, you know, dealing with different types of students and different types of atmospheres, right. Training sessions are always going to challenge you in game situations are always going to challenge you. So being in that where you always have to be on your toes and just have a spark of creativity in, in the moment, I think is what really gets me going. So, um, it's more so the love of the game. Yeah. If I showed you my transcripts, Kieran, I think it'd be a different topic here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one thing you've mentioned is 
an uncle that was that loved what coached and was in Mexico and you've talked about your parents you've talked about being the first to move out of the state how how important has your parents been and your family in on your journey and being able to like when you go back to share and them not really understanding the idea of college athletics uh along this and they've been learning I guess along the way as as you have yeah so they've been massive so I'm first generation. My dad migrated from Baghdad, Iraq, um, over to the United States at a young age. I think he was 14. And then my mom was born in Mexico. She was here on a teaching conference. Um, I think maybe mid twenties. Um, she had her master's and she was here on a conference in Pasadena. I think they were going to send a cohort of teachers from North America to go, uh, teach in Japan for a semester or something. And then my parents met. Um, so they didn't grow up in the college athletic roles. You know, now I'm recruiting, kids who, you know, mom and dad's played college soccer, you know, were in the college athletics, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't that sake. Um, they've been huge. I think, you know, my dad has his own trucking company, started a business from his own. And my mom works in Los Angeles, you know, by the school district and has done phenomenal there. But, you know, the biggest thing from them, for me was they, at the first two stints of, you know, Ursitis and then East Texas, they realized there was going to be a lot of jumping and it was going to be a lot of maybe at, at the start, you're gonna be alone, right? So it was a lot more FaceTime calls. And they said, hey, shoot those emails, shoot those texts. But wherever you go, you're always gonna have a bed here at home. And I think that's what helped me really spark the jump and just, all right, where's the opportunity? Boom, I'll go. And then if something happens, you know, I'll go home, reset, um, charge my battery up, and then I'll, I'll go jump off. Um, had a stint with the USL Denver. Uh, it was a USL2 team in Denver and enjoyed it. But for me, it was that was out of pocket, out of my savings because it was USL two, it was volunteer, didn't pay, but it was getting the experience out there. My parents were like, "Yep, go for it." You know, if something happens, you can go back to Tennessee or you can come back here. Um, but they've been extremely supportive in that sense. They understand now a bit more you know, the coaching world is a bit more volatile, but also you need to jump into it. You need to step in the ring if you want the experience and you want the opportunity. So you brought up the jump to the US. L2 was that after the UT Martin is that kind of where you went before you ended up at GW yeah so I was in the midst of it so I had my first year at um, UT Martin and then summer was approaching I wanted to get more involved you know UT Martin a bit it's a bit more isolated from clubs or US soccer they're about two hours from Memphis two hours from Nashville so you know I just enjoy coaching point blank so you know anytime I can just get involved in coaching even when I sign up for um, these camps and just joining clubs. I just love coaching. Um, so I shot a bunch of emails to USL teams, you know, standard Alex and had one team re reply. And he said, yeah, we can, we can um, get you on the coaching staff here. So joined them for about two months left a few weeks prior to the season ending. I think there was a big national recruiting event. So I just needed to go to for the UT Martin side. Um, so the USL two side, you know, I met some great coaches, Elliot Pross, who's uh, now with the Colorado Rapids, um, Levi, who's the assistant coach at, uh, Denver for the women's side and then Lewis who's now the head men's coach on Colorado Springs but you know just great coaching staff you know I had a small role there but for me it was just again seeing different types of coaching styles you know I enjoyed watching the coach there you know seasoned veteran Lewis no sorry Levi is uh has been at Denver for about six seven seasons you know Elliot has been all around coaching as well so he's been with IMG he's been with the Colorado Rush now with the Rapids and Lewis as well. He's gone to NAI and now coaches a D2 team. But, you know, being in that atmosphere with high-level players on the USL2 side, you know, we had players all the way from Kentucky, from Pittsburgh, from locally in Navy, and then you know, Navy and Air Force. And then we had players all the way from Portland 
just came out and playing. And we had a kid from San Diego USD that came out and played. So just seeing the level type of level of players as well was great, you know, coaching those. I've always had in my history of just coaching men's and women's a bit kind of equally. Uh, for me, it doesn't, you know, I don't think there's that drastic change. I think play style is a bit more drastic. But, you know, for me, I enjoy coaching both. You know, there's not really much of a difference. It's just the same game for me, and I enjoy it. So um, coaching the women's during the year and then jumping to coach the men's over the summer was was nice. Got to see different coaching, different play styles, and, you know, kept me on my toes again. What was what were some of the similarities and some of the differences between, like, the college kind of atmosphere and then being in a you know I know it's still second level but it's still a professional setting yeah I think it, it dwindles down even smaller so you know when high school athletes club athletes make the jump to college it's now kind of getting the top five percent of all high school athletes to go perform at the college level and then at the USL2 level while a lot more USL2 players can join in it's you know you still got to go through the tryout through the trial part where you know you, you don't know if you're making a usl2 squad so at our usl2 team i mean we had a lot of youth national team players it was it was a great level and it was a high level so it was for me it was almost taking the all-stars of a somewhat a college level rank now you're going against certain teams that have that similarities as well but you know we went up against two teams in utah and then they went, made a u.s open cup run but for me it was you know it's, it's just interesting because it's just the speed of pace the speed of the game just goes a lot faster. You know, you have players that are a little more physical. They read the game a lot more. So tactical conversations are a bit more easier to flow because they've been in these atmospheres or they're leaders in their atmospheres in these conversations that they've had to implement those talks. Right. Um, so for me, it was great. It's almost like meshing in. It was for me using my match analysis side early on in my career when I was in San Francisco helped a lot because I see a game in a different way and explaining that game and interpreting that game towards the players, they see it as well, right? So it's using that analysis and statistics side that these players, you know, are used to. So it was nice. So we've gone from California to Philly, down to Texas, Tennessee. Now we're at George Washington. How does it come about that you make the move from Tennessee to George Washington? Yeah, so yeah, after my two years there, um, I was a grad assistant. Then I got a title change to uh, assistant coach. Um, I was just, I was in the the mindset of, okay, do I take a head coaching role? You know, I had a few D2 offers to be a head coach. I had a few interviews with division one assistant. And for me, it was just, you know, I didn't know if I was ready or not. At junior college level, I was tossed into being a head coach, um, interim with the other assistant. And while that was at a different situation, I was kind of thinking, all right, well, can I go back to this? Um but through further conversations, I was like, all right, let me give it a few more years before I even think about that boat. Um, and now that next, next point was, all right, well, let me find a program or a staff that can really find myself growing and learning, but also at a competitive level and I can still implement, you know, my ways. I think out of all the interviews I had, it was, even though I'm still farther from home, I'm back in the Northeast. And I had a few opportunities to go closer to home, which I would have loved. But, you know, for me, it's, just the growth and the opportunity. I think it was too big to pass up. Um, Michelle's done tremendous. She's got a good history and background of where she's been, but also um, just her emotional IQ, I think is, is a lot higher than um, anybody I've coached with at the moment. So it's just taking that from her game and implementing that, right? There's maybe been moments where I just don't see eye to eye, but for me, I love that because I don't want to see eye to eye with my head coach or the assistant. I want moments where that's like, all right, yeah, 
I, I don't, I, I don't know where she's come from, but you know, we've all got the same mission of winning the game or this towards the season. So, you know, it's opening my eyes and say, all right, that's why she did it. Or, you know, maybe that's why we're going this route. Um, and I wanted to be in the staff with that as well as, you know, in conversation with Michelle was, you know, she was open to a lot of new things and with my diversity of experiences is, you know, I bring that, but, you know, and then we got Bill, the assistant coach, who's very leadership based. He, he's huge and just conversations opening up more answers than not. So, you know, being in an atmosphere where we're asking a lot of questions from each other and I don't know the answers, they don't know the answers, but you're having those conversations, not for the answers then, but the answers down the line um, really was somewhere that I wanted to be in. And, and to be fair, it's, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've loved it. Now I get challenged every day, every week. It's, you know, we're having tough phone calls. We're, we're asking each other questions during recruiting. It's, you know, will these players fit, you know, when we bring them on visits, it's not evaluating the players per se. We're evaluating their behavior, how they talk to their parents. We're evaluating how they talk to community members. You know, if we walk by our AD, how does she react to, you know, our athletic director? She say hi. She, so it's things that I've not pictured before um, at a different, you know, positions I've been in, but um, I've loved it. You know, absolutely. I think Michelle and, and Bill are great individuals and Michelle, has a certain goal for this program that you know, I envisioned and I, I want to be part of. It sounds like as you have progressed, you've started to figure out what you want to get from the experience more than just diving in. Uh, like early on, it was like, well, these are my two options. I'll go do one of them. We'll see what comes of it. And to hear you kind of talk about, this was the one interview I had where it, it resonated with me. I love being challenged. I wanted to be a part of this. I think that's kind of a, almost like a maturation uh, type of thing for you? Yeah, no, um, hundred percent. I'm, you know, fortunate to say I, I can have that now. Like I had a bit more of an options this past summer, but for me, I think I'm only 26. So in this time range of however I am here, I think it's really important for me to focus on that maturity and that growth. Um, tactical side, I think I, I understand really well. I put myself in a lot of different positions. I've worked in the tactical sense to start my career. Um, so now is more so of who do I want to be under to kind of finish and get the icing on the top? Or maybe after the four or five years here, it's still being an assistant coach and not necessarily a head coach jump. Um, but for me at the end of the day, I don't want to be in a, among the coaching staff or a situation where I'm not learning or they're not helping me grow. I want somewhere that, you know, they challenge me, even, even though, you know, you might have a little struggles, it might be a little awkward at times with some conversations and tension, but um, those are situations I thrive in and I appreciate it. You know, I joined the coaching ranks in the college soccer world, just not because it was easy, because it would help me grow. And you're, when a coach grows, your players grow and the game grows. So I think that's massive. What's the, what's the dynamic of George Washington? What's the draw to there? I know it's got high academics and I know that area. Um, how, is, how do you sell George Washington soccer to recruits? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Academics is a big piece. It's it's almost going back to my Division three days at Ursinus. They were heavily academic driven. Um, I think, thankfully, the brand George Washington sells itself. You know, I like to say that people were an Ivy League. That's not an Ivy League. Um, we, it's it's where we talk to some recruits that could be program changers. But you know, you look at the GPA or SAT, ACT scores, and just don't know if they can make it or not. Thankfully, though, at George Washington, the brand of soccer is. It's great. You know, Michelle plays a similar brand to what I enjoy with and just holding the ball and just possessing a bit more and building through third, but also understanding that in some games, you know, 
we're not going to have that option. We may need to be a bit more direct or we may just need to find our front line faster. Um, so recruiting at George Washington has been, has been a bit different. It's, we're attracting different type of recruits that I've probably had my different types of stints, right? At the junior college world, I'm getting a little more international based students. I'm getting students that academically or disciplinary wise, or maybe even financially they they have hardship in. So, you know, Tennessee Martin, we're just getting kids that fit the style of play. They're willing to come out and in a small town and play a good brand of soccer. Now here it's, yep, we're in a big city. Yeah. We're in a great conference in the A-10, but you know, did, can they fit life after soccer, right? Are they going to, struggle with the academic side are they going to be able to meet academic advising study hall hours you know strength conditioning hours um so that was the biggest piece is just finding the right athlete and the right individual um I, I say this a lot i think there's tons of great soccer players around the world it's there's only a certain puzzle piece that fits in locker room so it's finding that at george washington um just takes a little bit more time than i think other places i've been in but you know at the end of the day i think it's rewarding for not only us, but for the player, because the degree you're getting out of it, it's, um, it puts you in another resume pile, you know, once a student comes out of four years. And a lot of the times there's internships with the federal government and they get offered full-time opportunities after the internships, you know? So there's a lot of things about the George Washington brand that I think is great, you know, when selling to the players, it just, do they have the rest of it, right? We know they can play. Do they have the other 80, 90% of it? So here you are, you talked about having opportunities, to maybe be a head coach at, you know, some other opportunities and what have you, where does Alex see himself? Is there a, a kind of a top level that you're looking for? Are you thinking, Hey, I'd love to be a head coach at the division one level, or, um, you know, you've had experiences going overseas. You've been in Mexico before. Is there any parts of you that wants to maybe go the professional route or are you kind of now like, let me just kind of set my roots rock and roll with George Washington and then just kind of see what happens. Yeah, I think it's the roots part. Um, but the biggest thing for me and like in the way I view my career is I don't want to set my goals too low. Um, so like I've always told people I want to be a professional coach. Um, will I get there? Don't know hundred percent, but that keeps me striving every day and that keeps me working hard every day. I think that's the biggest piece is eight years ago you know, I was dealing with injuries. I wasn't even looking at college soccer and, you know, I'm a division one soccer coach. I coached the USL two level. I've coached some national team players. Um, so for me, it's just putting it as high as I can go. Now, wherever I land, I'm going to strive to be looking farther and farther, farther ahead. But I think, you know, I don't ever want to get content. You know, I always want to keep growing. I think, you know, I don't ever want to just be settled and be like, all right, well, so be it. But I also know that there is patience and, in the journey and I do need to calm down and look and put my roots down and just say, Hey, I've got to enjoy this. Right. Um, it's seen the four or five year classes, seeing the recruiting classes go from freshmen, seniors, seeing the graduates. So I have those goals. They just don't have a timeline to it an end line. You know, for me, it doesn't matter when and where, you know, I think my mom's low motto is always stuck with it is you've always got a bed at home. So, you know, I don't mind the four or five, six, seven, eight years, however long it takes. Um, to be at one place for me, it's just finding the right place that's going to compete. That's going to help me grow at the end of the day. And then, you know, if I feel like I'm done growing, then maybe that's when I'll look elsewhere. But for now, it's, I think, putting the roots down um, here in George Washington. Alex, that's a perfect way to end this chat. This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats with Alex Zaroyan, and I'm out. Peace.